African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. You're listening to African Dialogue. This hour, you're with me, Benjamin Mushatama. This is the program where we diagnose the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, today's story is a bit different to what we usually do. Uh, we try to cover a variety of uh, topics, not just politics or conflict or that kind of narrative. But today we're looking at uh, a new story that is focusing on technology. And that's the one that most people are talking about, especially over the weekend around the WhatsApp messaging service. Users of the popular WhatsApp have until this weekend, this past one, to accept its updated privacy policy. WhatsApp sparked a public outcry in January this year with a proposed update to its privacy policy to enable it to share information with its parent company, Facebook. The backlash led to the service pushing back its deadline for agreeing to the terms to May 15. It also reassured users the update was focused on allowing users to message with businesses and would not affect personal conversations. Well, I'm hearing a clipping sound in the background. I'm not quite sure who we have on the line, but let's check who's there. Uh, let's check if Toby Shepshack, who is the editor-in-chief and publisher, and is also a, a journalist, and let's just a technology guru in South Africa. Not sure if he's on the line. Toby, are you there? No, I think we've lost Toby's line there. Let's see if we have Duncan McLeod, who is a founder and editor of Tech Central. Duncan, are you on the line? All right, let's see if Toby's them told by our technical producer. We have Toby Shepshack on the line. Toby, are you there? I'm here, but you can call me Duncan if you want, just as long as you don't call me, you know, an idiot. Well, well, Duncan is coming back on the line. Um, Toby, can we please unpack what this new WhatsApp policy entails? Just to go backtrack to the initial changes that were creating that uproar in the beginning of the year. Sure. So, so just let's just take a step back and remember that when WhatsApp bought, was bought by Facebook, and they bought it for a you know mind-boggling nineteen billion dollars at the time mm. when they bought it. There were a bunch of very important competition rules that were applied by the American authorities and by European authorities. And as it turns out, in South Africa, we've also started taking a look at our policy, our privacy regulator. And part of that was, was um, anti-competition law. Well, in America, they call mm. it antitrust. And what that meant was that, um, what that meant was, was that the, um, these two massive companies were combining and that there were competition issues. And part of the agreement at the time was that Facebook would not integrate the data that it, it, it gathered from its users and use that with, uh, sorry, Facebook would not gather the WhatsApp data and use that for Facebook. Well, of course, they immediately did. And what's happened over and over and over is that Facebook pushes the boundaries of privacy. There's a huge outcry from people, and then they take a step back. And then quietly they push it forward. So, so what this really is, I mean, in, in, what this really is, is, is a massive backlash against this problem of Facebook in general, pushing the limits of privacy and 
actually breaking their breaking the law because they've made agreements. They've made agreements around competition law in these various jurisdictions, America, mm-hmm. Europe, you know, Asia, and they've completely broken them. And and, and what's happening and now is on a, radio interview uh, uh. A, a relatively small uh, thing, which is that Facebook has set up a way for businesses to sell and interact with people on Facebook. And now they want to use the same system to, uh, to for, for WhatsApp. And what they're asking people to do is agree to these terms and conditions that will let these businesses access our WhatsApp information and use that to perhaps market to us or sell to us. Now, in amongst this, the, the crazy stuff that Facebook has done in terms of privacy, this is not such a big deal. But what it represents is, mm. the, is the tipping point. It represents the straw that broke the camel's back, the frog being thrown into boiling water or just discovering actually mm. that mm. it's in boiling water and wanting to jump out. And what this means is that people have finally worked out that Facebook and WhatsApp are more interested in, in data mining their customers and exploiting their customers, that's us users, mm. for their real customers, which mm. are, the, are the big advertising Tyson's networks. Yeah. Let's bring, let's, let's, the real to, problem. Sure. Toby, let's bring in Duncan into the conversation. Duncan, thank you for holding there on the line and being patient. Welcome to our program. What are your thoughts on uh, this uh, go-ahead uh, uh, by WhatsApp to insist on um, implementing these policy changes despite the backlash? Yeah, it, it just shows you, I guess, where Facebook's priorities are. <laughs> Um, and uh, where they where they're planning to go with WhatsApp, um, they really are turning, planning to turn the platform into a much more than just an instant messaging platform for you and I to have a conversation, but to uh, make money out of it. And of course, they paid a lot of money for WhatsApp originally. I forget the original figure. I think it was something like 19 billion US dollars. Um, and uh, they've got to monetize it, and uh, they're going to do that by um, allowing businesses access to the so what they call the API or application programming interface. Uh, that will allow um, businesses uh, to communicate with you as the end user. Um, and uh, that's how Facebook is going to monetize this platform. So, uh, you know, um, while the the uh, service itself may be free and we can use it to communicate, download it free from the App Store or the Google Play Store, um, Facebook has to make money out of it somehow. And uh, we're getting a clearer insight uh, through this change in its terms and conditions into exactly how it's going to do that. Mm. Duncan, with that said, the fact that we're going to be having chat maybe with uh, Booking.com or maybe uh, some someone trying to sell me a laptop because I've been searching for it on my Google engine, um, the, WhatsApp and Facebook have confirmed the fact that they will keep the encryption between user-to-user privacy mm, yes. and that uh, this will just be an additional um, element that is brought into WhatsApp. Is it problem- as problematic as we're making it? It's it's all about um, Facebook knowing who you're talking to and, and when you're talking to them so that they can sell you advertising, which is ultimately what how they make money. So what, they, what I think Toby has explained it in some detail already, but basically what they're doing is taking your metadata, um, so the information they know about you, um, but not the content of your conversations, which are encrypted, but the fact that you um, that, that Toby and I are friends, for example, um, 
uh, Facebook will, will know that we talk to each other on, on WhatsApp when we last communicated and sharing that uh, information with Facebook and presumably we're able to use that information and the fact that I had a conversation perhaps with a, with a business enterprise um, to, uh, to present advertising to me when I visit the Facebook page. Um, so, for example, if I've expressed an interest in buying a generator because of load shedding um, with, a bus- with a business that sells generators, Facebook will be aware that I had this conversation and uh, may then present advertising to me on the Facebook main page. Uh, so I think that's what really what this is all about. Mm. What does the problem come in? Is it the fact that uh, these um, big technology companies already have our data or is it the fact that it's being utilized uh, to us and presented to us in this particular format because some other people don't understand the ramifications Duncan well yeah you know it, it really depends on how much you trust the organization Facebook's Facebook's business model is premised on taking what it knows about you, the information it knows about you and your interests, et cetera, et cetera, which you've freely given us over the years, and uh, selling you advertising against that information. Um, whether that's a good business model or not is up for debate. Um, if you don't like it, I suppose you have the option not to use it, but Facebook and WhatsApp in particular has become such a pervasive platform that for many people, you can't actually, saying no to it is not really an option because your family's on WhatsApp, your friends are all on WhatsApp. If you say, well, I'm going to use Signal exclusively in future or Telegram exclusively in future, um, most of your your family and friends are probably going to simply say, well, sorry, we're not going to communicate with you because we don't use those platforms, we use WhatsApp. It has become so dominant in some markets around the world, including South Africa, India is another one and many markets around the world where Facebook, where WhatsApp is, has become extremely dominant, where it's not an, actually an option to get off the platform. You know, the old, um, I think it was the Eagles who sang, you can, you can check in, but you can never leave Hotel California. I think that very much applies to uh, WhatsApp and mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. these days, particularly mm-hmm. in the South African market. You know, Toby, coming back to that point that Duncan is making, because in January um, there was this huge funny trend whereby we were all moving to Telegram and trying to get away from WhatsApp. And then we all had Telegram and didn't say anything to each other, but kept on our conversations in WhatsApp. And somehow we kind of uh, deleted the Telegram and stayed on in WhatsApp. And that kind of sticks to the point that Duncan is making, the fact that uh, WhatsApp in itself has become a monopoly in in the messaging app space. Uh, What are your thoughts in this particular debate? Because um, there is alternatives in this space, but it seems like we still are relying on this uh, WhatsApp messaging service. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that everybody uses it over a billion. I think it's a billion and a half now use it. So I've done the same. I mean, as, as I communicate on Telegram with some people, Signal with others, Apple's I message with others. Um, but WhatsApp has just become the glue. It's like, you know, you, you, you know, as much as I want to get off of it and mm. not allow Facebook to check my data and where I am and who I'm speaking to, it's virtually impossible because that's where everybody is. And so many people contact me as a journalist via WhatsApp that it's, I simply can't not do it. But let's just take a step back. Firstly, Facebook is a serial offender. Facebook does terrible things often. And every single time there's a crisis and something goes wrong, Mark Zuckerberg always says, I am responsible. I am responsible. 
his version of responsibility doesn't include the word accountability. Mm. So it's like talking about the serial delinquent that keeps taking our data and keeps <laughs> Mm-hmm. letting it get exposed. And they say, yes, but, you know, I mean, the last one was 533 million pieces of data was exposed, wow. 14 million South Africans, and Facebook internally was busy discussing how to communicate this to people because it's going to happen more often. But they didn't even, they didn't even inform people as they are re- legally required to by policy, uh, by privacy watchdogs all over the world. They must tell the people who use their platform that they have, been, they have had their data stolen. Does Facebook do that? No. So, so it's impossible to trust Facebook because they have, they, they, firstly, they are tone deaf in their responses to the crisis. Secondly, they, they, have, they have done this over and over and over and they can't be trusted. It's like if someone gets declared um, in, a, in a judgment that they've, mm. they've, uh, they've lied in court and therefore they perjured themselves, that stands forever. Mm. That person, like Bernie Clemenza, when he was the, the head of the Hawks, was, mm. you know, he was, the courts found that he was, he, he was, he'd lied. Same with Melissa Gigaba. Now, if that happens to you once, you, you can never be trusted again, and yet people are so willing to let Facebook do this. Our data gets collected, it gets stolen. And then Facebook's argument is very circular. They say, well, it's the state of the world. It isn't the state of the world. It's the state of the world built by Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is the company that gave everybody this kind of incredible access and trumpet to you know, say whatever they want to say, whether it's you know, cutesy cat pictures or pictures of hot air balloons <laughs> or nice sunsets or completely insane disinformation about mm. anti-vaxxers, right? Like mm. Facebook has refused to clamp down on, on hate speech, on, on misogyny, on people being attacking women, uh, threatening to rape them. They've, they've done nothing about anti-Semitism. They've done nothing about anti-Muslim feelings. They've done mm-hmm. nothing about this Asian hate problem. And it turns out they did nothing about the white supremacists mm-hmm. that have gotten to such a point where they stormed America's capital on the 6th of January. The organizing system for all of that was Facebook. Mm-hmm. All of these groups that Facebook allows where all of these crazy white supremacists, you know, were planning on, on disrupting a, 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 the biggest democracy, well, the second biggest democracy after, after India's mm. election results. Now Facebook created the system. And the reason they don't monitor it and the reason they don't protect it and the reason they don't moder- uh, moderate content is because it's too expensive. And Scandal after scandal after scandal emerges of how badly Facebook does a job. Mm. And Facebook's response is always to say, but it's the state of the Internet. Mm. It isn't. It's the state of the Internet they created. They are the people who built the road that got filled with potholes and people hide behind bushes to hijack your car or put bricks in the road so that (laughs) you time. Do you know what I mean? That sounds like South African traffic. Sounds like South African traffic. And then the the mayor of Johannesburg comes along and says, the potholes are COVID's fault. (laughs) And we're like, no, you built the road. You didn't maintain it. The holes are there because you guys are slackers. Yeah. It's not COVID's fault. And that's what Facebook does all the time. And we keep talking about them like they're an honorable, well-behaved corporate citizen. They are not. Hmm. They don't pay tax if they could get away with it, just like all the other big tech giants. You know, none of, them are, none of them are immune from this. They all domiciled their European operation in 
Ireland so they could get incredibly good tax breaks. Google was particularly guilty of this. Google would pay a, a smidgen of the tax they should in, in the UK, for instance. And of course, everyone keeps talking about them like they're a good corporate citizen. They are not. They make tens of billions of dollars of profit every single year by data mining the information from you and me and Duncan and everybody else who uses Facebook. And they make billions of money out of us and then tell us that we've got no rights whatsoever and that if they've had a break-in, as it was, 533 million people's data was stolen. Mm. doesn't matter how it was stolen. Okay. It was stolen from Facebook. Yeah. Well, and Facebook's sure. response is to say, we don't know who got, whose, whose house was burgled, so we won't tell anyone yeah. whose house was burgled, even though 533 million houses 40, 40 million in South Africa were burgled, mm. but we can't tell you exactly, so we won't just tell you. Well, let me, I need behavior. to take a quick break, Toby. I'll come back to that particular point because I want to po- position it in uh, a manner in which how does it impact um, uh, b- b- privacy regimes in various different countries. I know that uh, Duncan wrote something on this uh, on the website, uh, South Africa threatens litigation over new WhatsApp privacy policy is uh, the title of this particular piece that he wrote. I want to unpack his thoughts after this break around this particular issue, because as you highlighted, uh, Toby, that different countries have different uh, uh, policy regimes when it comes to uh, privacy policies. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Live Well is a show focused on the health of all Africans, from mental to sexual health, diseases to exercise. We discuss all things healthy and holistic African living. So let's talk, debate and motivate with Live Well, Mondays 10 a.m. CAT on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. I want to have a global career, you know, starting with Africa. Hi, this is H1 Mr. Bang Bang Bang, Mr. Wasting My Time, Mr. Ghetto. And you're listening to Channel Africa from an African perspective. You are listening to Channel Africa, South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa, broadcasting in various languages from Chinyanja, Portuguese, uh, French, Chilozi. Stay with us right here on Channel Africa. On our program today on African Dialogue, we're diagnosing this big issue of the WhatsApp messaging service. It seems like Facebook is going ahead with updating privacy policies. I've been getting these messages and kind of trying to ignore them. And I'm starting to think like the more I ignore them, I think they will get the idea that no, keep it as it is, keep it as private as it is and uninterrupted. But it seems like there's an insistence from WhatsApp to change its uh, policy. We've been having a fantastic conversation alongside Duncan Cloyd, founder and editor of Tech Central. Toby Shepshak is with us, editor, uh, and he's a publisher who works for various publications and he's a commentator. He's a busy man indeed. But let me come back to you, Duncan, because Toby has highlighted some of the transgressions that we've seen around Facebook. And now this might be migrating uh, to WhatsApp. And you you wrote a very uh, interesting piece around South Africa. Uh, possibility to litigate uh, over this new WhatsApp privacy policy. Tell us a a little bit about this and Mm. what is the main issue here? 
So we've got something called the Protection of Personal Information Act, or PAPIA, PAPIA, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, uh, which is coming into uh, full force uh, from the 1st of July this year. Now, the, uh, the, the, the Poppy Act is maybe a better way of pronouncing it. The mm-hmm. Poppy Act um, has introduced um, a new regulator in South Africa called the Information Regulator, which um, is headed by advocate Pansy Tlakula. The Information Regulator is in the process of staffing up and uh, becoming a fully effective regulator. Now, they've written to uh, Facebook and to WhatsApp LLC, which is the uh, subsidiary of Facebook that owns WhatsApp, um, and they've said they've asked that Facebook um, implement uh, the European version of the new WhatsApp policy um, rather than the global version. And the argument they um, have for, for, for making this request is that GDPR, or the General Data Protection Regulation, which is the legislation that governs data protection in the EU, it's the equivalent of, of the Poppy Act um, in the EU. Mm. Uh, their argument is that pop- the Poppy Act and GDPR are very, very similar pieces of legislation with similar intent, and therefore they have um, requested that Facebook implement the EU version of the new terms and conditions for WhatsApp, failing which it has warned that it is considering a litigation uh, to force Facebook's hand in this regard. Mm. And in light of that, it seems like there is becoming... Uh, there is an environment now that's becoming apparent, Duncan, where you were seeing these big companies such as Facebook who are actually implementing new uh, innovations in the messaging space. However, yeah. it seems like they are setting the rules the more they uh, extend their business propositions. And um, it seems like there is a contestation between company mm-hmm. and, and governments. What are your thoughts around that particular trend, especially when it comes to Facebook? It seems like a yeah. major culprit. We heard that from Toby earlier. Mm. Well, I think Toby's right. I think I think the the most important thing that's come out of all of this and and out of the consumer outrage over the new um, privacy policy or terms and conditions for WhatsApp is just the fact that people are waking up to what Facebook is. Um, I, I think uh, for for many years people just thought, oh, Facebook, this is fun, it's free. You know, I actually get to look at an ad occasionally, that pays for the service. Um, I, I don't think many people actually stopped to think when they signed up originally for Facebook that. Uh, what am I actually getting as part of this bargain? Um, and I think many people didn't realize that they were actually the product. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think people know that now. I think there's very little doubt in the minds of ordinary consumers what the the bargain is when you're signing up. You're signing up for when you sign up for Facebook, and um, you are the product. You are Facebook is um, is, is uh, makes its money by um, taking your information, what it knows about you. And um, and and allowing advertisers to target advertising at you, so I think that's um, I think that um, consu- it's been a good thing that consumers have woken up to what the business model is here and how it works, and it shows that consumers are not willing to just sit back and uh, and accept what um, big corporations throw in, throw their way. I mean, the fact that there was such an outcry, the fact that millions of people actually bothered to download Telegram and Signal and other instant messaging apps and try them out and. You know, they all went back to Facebook, or the, the vast majority of them went back to Facebook. But the fact that people were angry enough or concerned enough to consider or to consider the alternatives, I think, shows that Facebook doesn't necessarily that does need to tread cautiously. And I think they will, in future, if they want to make further changes to their terms and conditions, they're going to think very long and hard about 
what they do and what they put in those terms and conditions. They can't just simply come along and say, well, now we're going to start reading your messages. So there will be an absolute mm-hmm. consumer outcry over that, and um, and uh, I think Facebook would come out the loser. So I think that um, I think just that the fact that there is this consumer outcry, the fact that consumers are aware of what's going on now, is a good thing and will probably moderate Facebook's worst excesses. Mm. Toby, what are your thoughts around um, the battle between Silicon Valley and um, governments when it comes to, to policy? That's becoming, a there's a rift that's there, but in, in some areas you see companies like Amazon who are collaborating with uh, governments uh, uh, in, in some initiatives when it comes to uh, the, this data analysis space. Um, uh, should we be concerned around these trends and the fact that governments are starting to also, some of them trying to detach themselves from uh, uh, company policies that are overarching um, nas- national or transgressing, uh, transgressing rather national policy? Uh, yes, we should be terrified we should be really worried. You know, we have complaints about governments and how they behave, but actually governments are elected by the people. There's a democratic process that puts someone in charge of South Africa or America or India. You know, there is a process that the voters choose. Nobody chooses Facebook. Nobody chooses the people at Facebook who have this incredible control over the communication of all of us. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is... A, is is a, a law unto himself. And there's story after story after story of the curators and the moderators saying, this person should be banned, that person should be banned, mm. and him overruling it. Why? Because at the end of the day, Facebook's business model is not the good of humanity. Facebook's business model is more people staring at Facebook for as long as they can. Same is true of YouTube. YouTube is just as bad. YouTube, the, the, the stuff that you see on YouTube is, is horrific. Children are watching, and I do, I watch my son, he likes Lego, so we watch some Lego videos here and there from the official YouTube Lego channel. You can't believe the kind of adverts that get shown to him, and I've identified this as a child watching. Completely inappropriate for a child to watch, and, and, face, and YouTube would continually show people more and more shocking, more and more crazy stuff, and more and more untrue stuff. There are people on YouTube who have a true belief that the world is flat. I kid you not. There are people that think the world is flat and YouTube and Facebook give people an opportunity. Now this is fine, nobody gets hurt. But what happens if it's anti-vaxxers? Mm. Ten, over 10 years ago, uh, a discredited doctor put a, a completely false report into the journal Nature and it's huge, huge repercussions. Nature retracted it. This guy, his name's Andrew Wakefield, was lost his doctor's license. And yet, after 10 years of research, trying to prove his insane idea that vaccines cause autism, and there's absolutely zero proof whatsoever. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of them think it's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. Totally fine for these crazy people to carry on spreading this complete and utter nonsense. It's factually incorrect the world is not flat vaccines do not cause autism the only social network that did anything about the anti-vaxxers was pinterest Uh they just refused point Uh blank Uh they showed everybody how to do it 
So along comes COVID and, you know, disinformation, as I mentioned earlier, is the single biggest problem in, on, on these big platforms, whether it's disinformation about vaccines or political processes or, you know, when the Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump were vying for the president oh, yeah. in 2016, there were all of these apps that, I'm sorry, all of these websites mm-hmm. that were making these completely insane, unsubstantiated, false stories about Hillary Clinton, you know, the, and the Pope has endorsed uh, Donald Trump. Who was running them? <laughs> it wasn't some vast disinformation sure. campaign. Sure. Sure. It was a bunch of teenagers in Eastern Europe who worked out how to game the advertising system. Uh, they didn't care who won the election. They just wanted to make money, and they did. Uh, Turns out people who voted for Trump aren't very good at differentiating reality from non-reality and fact from fiction. And anti-vaccine is a completely great example of how the networks have looked the other way because at the end of the day, they don't care whether the information is true or not. They just want people to stare at their screens, whether they're iPads, tablets, smartphones, uh, computers. They just want people to stare as long as possible. The longer people look, the more advertising they show them. So they, they, they've always said it's impossible to, to get a handle on this misinformation until COVID came along. And then all of a sudden, where misinformation caused people to die, yeah. suddenly the networks, the social networks, Facebook, YouTube, Google, Twitter, suddenly they found a way to prevent it, which they could have done all along, as Pinterest showed with empty vaccines. So instead of them doing, doing the right thing, which was don't let anti-vaxxers, don't let hate speech populate, don't let misogyny, don't let all of these terrible white supremacists ranting, don't let that happen. Yeah. They kept saying we can't stop it and then along came COVID and instantly they stopped it. Yeah. So well, lying all along yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, as Duncan and I have been saying, the real customer for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everybody else, the real customer is the advertiser. advertiser. Mm. We, well, are, we are the product. Yeah, well, I, I want to take a quick break and then, then we'll wrap up the conversation. Where to from here? I know personally, I, I use Facebook a lot. I enjoy it because I, 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 I get to stay in tabs with people. I use it for that particular uh, purpose. And now WhatsApp is also kind of it's another alternative for private uh, conversations indeed. And we live in the world where we utilize data instead of airtime is becoming uh, an, an, an old notion to me but now what i'm thinking about as an individual i'm thinking so what do i do where do i go because i seem to be a product here but i actually still need these services so where do we go from here let's take one break and then we'll wrap up this conversation with that pointer in each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live your life by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation, motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by Design, be the architect of your life only on Channel Africa, the African perspective. All right, let's wrap up this uh, very interesting conversation. A lot of um, 
you know, pitfalls that have been highlighted by Toby and Duncan, who are our analysts today, as we look at WhatsApp changing its privacy policy. Duncan, as I mentioned before, that short break, uh, where do we go from here? Because these services are not ones that we don't need. We actually do need them. They actually do give some form of um, uh, use in our lives. So where to from here? I think it's mostly agreed uh, that there needs to be some form of regulation of these social media companies. Um, what form that regulation takes, I think, is going to be a big bun fight uh, because um, you know I think people are going to come at this with very different views. Um, I'm, I'm personally torn about how much the space should be regulated. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, Toby is, makes a very strong argument that um, that uh, Facebook is behaving extremely badly and therefore that it should be heavily regulated. Um, on the other hand, um, is, he- is heavy regulation warranted when consumers uh, go in knowing what bargain they're signing up for when they create a Facebook or a WhatsApp account? The question is, do they really understand what they're signing up for? I think they probably do, uh, now anyway. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of discussion, a lot of debate about um, how much regulation of social media networks like Facebook is warranted or desirable, um, and I think it's going to be an important conversation uh, to have, and I hope regulators don't rush in and um, come up with regulations or laws um, without thinking them through the, the, the potential impact of, the, of that legislation thoroughly before implementing it. Um, but yeah, there's, I think, there's, I think it's, a, it's a given that there's going to have to be increased regulation of, of some sort um, to, to stop the worst excesses that we have seen in the social media space in recent years. Um, but again, it's really, um, I, I think there needs to be a proper solid debate about what form that regulation uh, should take. And at the end of the day, it's also up to us as consumers to vote with our feet. Uh, I know it's very difficult to leave WhatsApp and Facebook, mm. particularly Facebook as well, but there are alternatives out there. So, um, you know, at the very least, you can download them and start playing with them and encourage your friends to start using Signal and Telegram and, and the other alternatives mm. that are out there that don't share as much metadata as WhatsApp does. But also be, be aware, read, read, read up about um, these alternative platforms and read what they offer. Do they have end-to-end encryption, for example? Um, if they don't, you probably don't want to be using them. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of debate to be had here, but I think consumers also need to play a role and, and um, be alert as to what's happening and what, what these companies are using your data for. Um, and if you're not happy, vote with your feet and find an alternative and encourage your, your friends and family to use those alternatives as well if you're not happy with the service that you're currently using. Mm. Toby, are there enough alternatives as we wrap it up? Totally. You can do everything without Facebook and, and, and WhatsApp and, and Instagram. In fact, I, I, when my son was born nearly four years ago, uh, just after that, so let's say three and a half years, I stopped using Facebook. I deleted Facebook, Instagram, everything off my phone except Twitter, which is the only one I'm interested in. And my life is completely different. Uh, you know, several of my friends have done the same, and they will go, my God, I've got like an hour back in my day. I'm, <laughs> instead of sitting scrolling through Instagram <laughs> pictures and so if I'm looking at my phone, I'm almost always reading the news or reading or doing something mm-hmm. interesting. I'm very seldom scrolling through social media, which is a, is a, is a kind of attention sinkhole. You know, mm-hmm. the second you start on it, you just kind of end up going down and down and down. I find Twitter useful because the people I follow post very interesting articles, which is why, I mean, Twitter has become like a kind of the front page of news, it was called mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. 
and and occasionally there's some inter- interesting things that go on. But that itself is a distorted system because the Twitter bots are everywhere. I mean, look what happened to Amabungani last week. They broke this unbelievable story about how the uh, the legislation for the the recommendations for the the new power supplies were completely manipulated to favour Turkish ships. Um, parked in a harbor when actually the, the legislation was new builds. You have to build something new. And they, the, the, the system was called, the tenders were rigged and legally mm-hmm. rigged. And somebody managed to complain to Twitter. Um, and in the background, Twitter stopped letting people click through to Amr Bungani's links. Why? Because someone didn't want people mm-hmm. reading that story. Yeah, well, yeah. it backfired spectacularly. Twitter hasn't said who did it, but they've turned it back on. Um, and uh, and that's just another example of how things can be manipulated. You know, information can be manipulated. News breaks that's of enormous consequential value to South Africa, that our new power supply has been rigged in such a way that the, the wrong kinds of technologies are being chosen. Why would you choose gas-powered ships that destroy the natural environment they're in they pump this superheated water back into the ocean. Uh-huh. It kills all the ocean life. When actually the requirement is build solar and wind farms because firstly they're brand new and they're built on land and they cost less and they uh-huh. produce power for less. This is how information is manipulated and this is how big companies manipulate it. Uh-huh. Well, so, we're running uh, out of time, just, Toby. You just have to keep yeah. the shield up sure. and your awareness. Mm. If it sounds like it's too good to be true, it is. And that's mm. Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram and YouTube. Mm. I would rather pay for it than be exposed to the dribble um, that they keep presenting us as a way to pay for it. And, and you'll see mm. in America, the very interesting statistic, my final point, is that the 15 to 25-year-old group in, in all rich countries are abandoning Facebook. So the next generation of, of people in rich countries are not doing it. It's different in poor countries, especially in Africa, because people have nothing else. And if yeah. you've got nothing else and Facebook is there, even if it's filled with misinformation and hate speech and anti-vaccine and whatever, uh, that's a real problem. Yeah. Well, we have to wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Toby, for your insights. I think we have to think more and more about these interactions with uh, social media. It's becoming more and more apparent that there is uh, a deepening crisis in this area. But thank you to Toby Shepshak, who is editor-in-chief. He is a publisher. He's a journalist. He's a commentator. He has many hats, this man. And uh, he is uh, very much wanted everywhere when it comes to technology commentating. So thank you, Toby. I know you're a busy man. Thank thank you for giving us your time. Thanks to Duncan McLeod, founder and editor of uh, Tech Central, a very good site to get the latest news on uh, technology. So check it out, techcentral.co.za. Gents, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you. Stay well. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy, of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.